Welcome to Professor Labs podcast. And today we are joined by the wonderful, amazing, and super hyped Diana Gallagher, who is an author and professor of writing. And again, I am very excited to have you here with me today. And uh, thanks for coming. Thanks, Joe. I am glad to be here. I hope I can live up to the hype. That was quite a lot to uh, a lot of expectations to be set right off the bat. Well, you know, this is what we do over here at Professor Labs podcast. We only accept the best of the best, like myself, which is, you know, why obviously you're here too. So, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just want to uh, jump right in because, like I was saying before we started recording, you know, just talking to you about like writing in general and particularly um, prose writing or fiction writing or novel writing, there's so many, God, there's so many different pathways that you can, you know, you can go down in terms of like what really goes into that. And how a lot of those skills, um, they bleed over into other, you know, types of writing and, you know, other ways of thinking. So, I don't know, I guess we can just, you know, start briefly by talking a little bit about that. You know, like what sort of your either, um, I don't know, I, I wouldn't even necessarily say background with writing, but like um, what's your, you know, sort of any like recent thoughts or development with like how you approach writing or how you think about you know the type uh, type of writing and type of work that you do anything along those lines that comes to mind yeah sure so you and I both went to the same MFA program so we had some similar training and took similar coursework I would say that for most of my life I've always wanted to write but at the same time I feel like I also treated it somewhat casually um, especially in college, I was a night owl. So I could mm. be up at midnight, 1am, 2am, just writing away. Blogging especially was a big uh, outlet for me at that time or writing creative nonfiction pieces for classes. And I would say I persisted with that a, to a decent degree within grad school. And then it came time to work on a thesis and create, you know, a fully realized body of work. So at that point, I had to sub somewhat change my process a bit. But I would say that the journey I took on the way to publication and sort of the repercussions of that made me rethink the way I approach writing a lot. And I know that you as a beach cleaner are a very outdoorsy person. And I have, I don't know if it's, I don't know if rediscovered is the right word because I've always enjoyed running outside through things like cross country and track when I was in high school. But I would say maybe I have a newfound appreciation for hiking, and I feel like mm. that has informed my writing process quite a bit over the last year and a half to two years, not just the subject matter, but the way I approach it. Yeah, so that's really, really interesting for a lot of reasons, because I totally connect with what you're saying there at so many so many different points and in so many different ways regarding the writing process. You know, when I think about either doing any outdoor activities like beach cleaning, or I'm a big hiker too. Um, and runner as well. I, I like to, you know, just go for jogs or whatever. Um, so much of that I've learned over time. I, I do see correlations between those activities and sort of, I don't know if tenacity is the right word, but that's the word that just comes to mind when I think about producing any sort of writing that's worthwhile. And that's why I think you know, again, something that is, there's different types of endurance, right? Like beach cleaning is a type of endurance when you're out there, like picking up trash for hours on end, but so is oh, yeah. hiking up a mountain or, you know, running, you know, wherever. So one of the early examples that comes to my mind where I sort of made that connection was I think in grad school where, you know, I realized as I would go on these, these runs, 
that I would try to think in write, writerly terms, I guess, and think about like, oh, how would I describe this, you know, street corner or this, you know, pond or whatever. And I would think about that in the sense of like, well, what if I was trying to obviously convey a certain tone or mood or obviously give further context to a situation or, you know, a scene? Um, obviously, I choose different phrases. I, I, you know, that dictates my word choice, that sort of thing. And one of the one of the, the I, I guess I, I'm not still great at it, but it's kind of a skill I've tried to internalize is just internalizing those descriptions like you know, I used to bring a pen and paper and say like, ooh, let me write that down. That's a good line. And then I realized that's absurd to stop every, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> every minute to write down some good notes. So I said, well, let me just really internalize why I came to that conclusion of how and why I would phrase something like that and sort of try to develop that is sort of, I don't know if that makes sense to develop an intuition, but it, it's more of a skill then, I guess. But to develop that is like, well, yes, you would go there in terms of those types of descriptions for those types of situations when they arise otherwise in your writing. And they start to feel more natural too, instead of like you're reaching for them. Yeah, exactly. You know, how many how many ways can you describe the sunset <laughs> right. or the sunrise? But you start finding a different vocabulary. I actually, I like what you said about descriptions because I, I remember one time in grad school, it was a it was a fiction course and the professor was out that day. So another student was actually running the workshop. Nice. I, it was my piece was up and I remember her saying, I think the strength of your piece, you know, is these descriptions. And I thought, well, I'm in for it because I don't think I'm very good at descriptions. <laughs> if that was the strength, yeah. it can't be very good. Um, I will say, though, like you said, the having spent more time, you know, and, and, you know, it's easy to make it sound like it's very thorough-esque where you're walking around and just musing. But as mm. you know, from running, there's a lot of physical struggle you're undergoing at the same time. And mm -hmm. I think that really colors the way you perceive the environment around you. There's that triumph yeah. on at being on top of a mountain. That's great. But how about the descent on the way down? You've been out there for 10 hours. You're hungry. There are flies swirling all around you. It's not so beautiful and so placid anymore. Mm. And I think that can also, like you said, it helps to provide the description and the context and the setting. And I also feel like I've improved in that front too. And I like the way that started to inform characters I've been writing. Oh, that's interesting. As well. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because that is sort of where I feel like uh, I kind of dropped the ball myself a little bit. So I'm curious how you've sort of continued into that like so do you mean that in the sense of uh sort of putting yourself in those character shoes like really inhabiting those characters in order to fully realize them or bring them to life sort of i guess to be fair in the work that i've been focused on over the past year and a half it's a novel and it involves the protagonist undertaking this hiking mission as a means of sticking it to her outdoorsy ex-boyfriend and proving this point that she too can do it, even though she's kind of been a couch potato mm. up until this point in time. So seeing the world through her eyes where she's experiencing the difficulties of an undertaking like this, and at the beginning she's wildly unprepared, which colors the way she views things like walking up a really rocky trail, whereas later on in the novel, things like that just get glossed over because she's so accustomed to it, and you start to see how she's grown. And I also like to be, a, it's, the novel is a contemporary young adult novel, and I like to try to be as realistic as possible. So like I was just saying before, it's not all, oh, we're on the summit and life is majestic and everything is great. And look at these life lessons I've learned about perseverance. It's also about the, the reality that 
yeah, you got up there. Now you have to get back down, mm. you know, not only in hiking, but in life, sometimes reaching that moment of success can be really fleeting. Yeah. And then everything returns back to the way it was, or in the case of a novel, perhaps things take a darker turn. So yeah, th- going that way too. That's really interesting. Cause that was the other point that I sort of thought of um, a little bit before where I was thinking about when you're running and especially when you're doing some type of endurance running, you know, whether, I mean, even something just like a 5k, you know, just mm-hmm. half an hour, an hour run or whatever. There's a lot of calculations and considerations along the way. And you're right. I, I think there's a lot of sort of, in some ways, I, I guess you can correlate them as, as emotional up and downs, right? Where mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of determining, well, where do I press? Where do I sort of, you know, pull off the gas a little? How do I, how and why do I, you know, value and strategize balancing those elements? Um, and that's sort of true of life too, I feel like, right? You know, if you say like, I want to give it my, I mean, we know this as, as uh, you know, writers and instructors, I feel like it's like, I'm going to give it my all 100% every day. It's like, well, no, you need a break from time to time. Like, yep. you know, you need to set aside time for yourself too, right? Um, and so obviously it's not a direct correlation, but I think I think there's certainly enough patterns there that sort of cross over that I find, you know, really interesting. I sort of feel the same way. Um you know, as somebody who just, you know, loves writing, but also loves, you know, these endurance type activities, whether it's, you know, again, it doesn't have to be running. And that's why like hiking is an example too, because I have so many friends who, um, for various physical reasons, they can't really run. Um, but I'm like hiking pretty much most people can get into, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. That's, that's one thing I liked just in the process of writing this novel. I I would say hiking brought me to this novel in a few different ways, but for my main character, she doesn't really have any outstanding athletic ability. It's just that she is willing to keep trying at it and putting one foot in front of the other. And like you said, that's what it really takes. And I think that applies to just other avenues of writing as well. Mm. So I really like that idea. I mean, this is sort of veering into a little bit more of a philosophical uh, framework. But I'm, I'm curious about that as an idea because I really like sort of this focus of, well, you know, maybe it's not something that somebody is spectacular at, but they can continue to try. And the question is like, well, can they get better at it or can they at least learn something from it, right? Because I feel like that's sort of, a, you know, it's sort of a, it, it gets complicated where it's like, oh, anybody can be, you know, special. And it's like, can they, you know, like, you know, can everybody be be great? And it's like, I think it depends on how you define greatness, right? Like how you define your own personal achievements, right? Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, accomplishing something, building up and working through something that, again, you don't have a natural aptitude for, right? Um, you know, that in of itself is, is, is a form of like, um, sort of like self-testing and endurance and, and ultimately success. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of relatable um, parallels there probably for a lot of readers, right? Hopefully. that's That's how i feel with all my writing i'm like hopefully people get it you know Uh, i hope yeah and then one thing i think connects uh, between the you know the connection between the writing process and the hiking this this one example i can think of as a hike so um tony my husband and i are aspiring adirondack 46ers so we're on this quest to hike the 46 highest peaks in the adirondack park in upstate new york so we've got 15 of them down, which is... Oh, really? You've made that much progress. That's great. We we have, um, you know, the very first time we did one, we picked 
this mountain called Cascade because the internet said it was the easy one. So by the time we're, we're on the way down, we're like, that was the easy one. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, like on our way up, we're like, we're going to do all of these. This is great. On the way down, we're covered in mud. We're exhausted. It's just rock after rock after rock. We're like, oh my God. Do you know how far, um, how far that was or how high that That one's was? only about four miles round trip. So that that's, that's, uh, it's probably one of the shortest hikes up there. But for a lot of people, but, four miles is forever. <laughs> true. It certainly started to feel that way by the end. Yeah. Um, but this summer we decided for some of the hikes, it's, it's a long day, but it's technically more efficient to bang out a bunch of them in one, one fell swoop. Um, so like some mm. of them are, ga- there are some clusters of mountains in their own ranges. So on the 3rd of July, we decided, well, actually, no, sorry, it was the 5th of July, be correct here. We decided to do the lower great range, which has it's six mountains in total and five of them are considered high peaks. So we thought, you know what, it's going to be a great way to knock some off the list. If you look at my pictures, everything looks great. We're on top of these summits. There are these majestic views. It's beautiful. The reality is that it was God awful. Almost from the start of the day, you walked three miles on a flat road. Things are okay. And then it starts going uphill and there's not much wind, Mm. at least this day. It's humid. And then as the day progressed, these black flies just came out and they would not relent there was one point where I had my can of DEET and I'm spraying it in a circle <laughs> and like screaming. That's old black we, fly we ra- peak for you, you know? Yep. We ran out of water and we still had about five miles to go. So it was... Oh, yikes. It, it was a nightmare. But if you were only to see the photographs, you would think, wow, that looks great. That looks so mm. amazing. And I think being an author is a lot like that, where you see a picture of the author holding their book mm. And they're signing it or, oh, here's a photo of my book at Barnes & Noble. Is this exciting? And it is. But you don't always see everything that happened on the way there or everything that happens after. And it might look a lot more like what the lower great range was right was like for me. Yeah, that's a great example. And, I, I you know, it's funny you say that because I always think of that about that when people criticize uh, books or TV shows where they're like, oh, that episode was stupid. It just mm-hmm. wasn't good enough. And like. Do you have any idea how hard it is to write a bad TV episode, let alone a good one, right? And I feel like it's it's true of most art forms. Um, and as well, I think that's a great example, too, of accomplishments in our own lives, right? Where it's easy to say, like, oh, yeah, look, you know, this person's just good at something. But you're right. Like, you don't always see the the, the process along the way. So I think it's, mm-hmm. it certainly sounds, um, I, I think, very relatable to... Um, many readers in, in, in different ways for that reason. You know, the other point that you mentioned that I, I thought was really interesting from a sort of a practical writing perspective is, um, I mean, I don't know how much you want to share about the actual book, but this is more of just kind of a, a technical question, I guess, in terms of like, how do you, um, is, is it mostly, or is the plan or, or, or the book so far mostly about this person, like you say, sort of uh, doing these reflections or is there interactions like with other people along the way as well? Like, do you have a balance to that? Because I could imagine one of the challenges where you do have a lot of this sort of solo, um, exercising is sort of, um, working on, I I guess like conflict or bringing out conflicts very clearly for the readers. So like, is there a balance there or is it mostly just like internal musings or like what, what is, what's going on with that? Yes, there are plenty of characters. So she really doesn't do a whole lot of solo hiking, mostly because okay. she doesn't have the experience to oh, okay. uh, until much later in the book where she's progressed both in her hiking and also in her 
emotional arc as well. Mm, okay. But along the way, there are different characters who she hikes with. And then there are scenes too that aren't out in the woods too. There are scenes where she's at school or at home that are relevant to her oh, story, okay. but it's not entirely on the trail. Um, so for example, like I was actually just rereading um, the memoir Wild, where she is oh, sure. solo hiking through a good uh, portion of the Pacific Crest Trail. And you mentioned the conflict, and I, I think a lot of that conflict comes from, like you said, her musings right. and the flashbacks she has to, you know, what led her to be out on the trail. And it's a great book too. And she does meet other people on the way, but she definitely spends most of her time mm-hmm. alone. So whereas my book, there are many other characters who have their own stories to tell. But at the same time, though, I feel like in a lot of ways the writing process was kind of like being a solo hiker, where like I was saying earlier, how I used to be pretty casual with my process. I feel like I now have a much stricter process and I try to adhere to it as best as I can. Every time I sit, I sit down to write or to revise. And then from there I proceed. Right. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, I think that's probably one of the toughest things for writers to figure out, I think, because so many students of mine, you know, they sort of go in writing or, or into writing or they want to get into writing. And I, I think that's ultimately the big challenge is to figure out your process um, for for yourself as, as a writer. And I think that's where a lot of people who sort of, you know, give up on writing. That's sort of where they uh, where it does fall flat for a lot of them, I think, maybe. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I feel like anytime I've been to any form of an author Q&A or I've read author blogs, of course, I'm always really curious to know what their process is, like as though there will be something magical where if I do the same things, I can just sit at my computer <laughs> and just gently rest my fingers above yeah. the keys and the words will flow smoothly. I do think it can sometimes maybe be discouraging or different advice about the kinds of processes people follow um, can maybe get, you know, kind of confusing or conflicting. I think you really have to find what works for you. And I think it can vary also depending on the project you're working on. So I try to be flexible with myself, Mm. but also maintain a good amount of discipline trying to walk that line. Yeah, I I think you have to, right? You have to have that sort of foundational uh, basis or framework for yourself. But at the same time, you can't be sort of hemmed in by it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to be able to uh, expand beyond that, you know, given the specific situations, you know, of what you're trying to accomplish with your writing, which is funny because this sort of connects to the the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is how I teach writing too. And it's so funny how, you know, thinking about the writing process as a writer uh, in, in fiction that I write is very similar in the sense of just like awareness to how you approach writing in, in, in nonfiction. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting how I've, you know, for myself, I've learned to apply those lessons or transfer those lessons from the fiction writing wor- world to, uh, my nonfiction writing classes in terms of just like identifying like, okay, what is your goal, right? Like, what is the purpose of this piece you're writing? how or why are people going to care about this goal or understand this goal? Well, how do you make them care about it? Like what details Mm -hmm. uh, or or ideas do you focus on and expand upon? So I think there's, there's such a strong and important and vital connection, which is why I think it's really, you know, a lot of, uh, I think fantastic, um, uh, college writing professors of nonfiction, 
uh, start out as creative fiction writers, or at least many of them that I know. So I'm curious, like, if you have any thoughts on that too, uh, sort of the the crossover of those those realms, I guess, in terms of you know how you how you approach teaching uh, undergrad graduates, you know, whether it's teaching them fiction or nonfiction writing. I like the point you made about basically asking them, why should someone care about this piece of work? Yeah, I think it's really <laughs> hard for many students to imagine their work having this broader audience that goes beyond the professor and maybe their classmates if there's a peer review element. Mm. I think a lot of times they feel like they're sort of writing into this vacuum. Yes. So trying to make them aware of, one, how this assignment can be brought into a broader context. Then two, how can you take these skills and bring them along with you, especially when, you know, we both taught at the community college level mm -hmm. and there are a good amount of students who are going on to maybe vocational programs. Mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily going to get a four-year degree or maybe go on to say, for example, get a master's of English. So, okay, you are planning to become an automotive technician. What lessons can you take from this writing course about writing clearly, writing persuasively, being able to maybe pick out logical fallacies in a body of work and then later on becoming a more more discerning reader and writer in your own professional life and your own personal life as well. Mm. It's funny you say that you remind me of one of my favorite examples from community college that is sort of an oddball example, but I think it's a good one. And it was in, I think it was a freshman writing class because pretty much all to your point of what you're saying about practical writing skills, essentially in real life, that's a big part of my my pedagogy as a as a teacher in all my classes, and so I constantly work on real life exam. Like we'll do here's uh, how to get out of a parking ticket by writing a parking ticket appeal. Yes, that sounds very valuable. I mean, you should share that with me later. I'd like to see. I uh, I, I will definitely share results. it with you, and they love it because they're like, "This is fantastic." I'm like, "Yeah, save me thirty bucks like eight times already." You know, that's, yep. <laughs> that adds up. Uh, and so I, I really try to focus and emphasize these ideas uh, at all stages. And certainly in my freshman writing classes, because of the students who this might be the only college writing class some of them take, um, it's it's one of the ones that the, they might only be exposed to this type of writing. So I particularly almost always focus at least a, a day or two on professional development writing, uh, particularly cover letters and resumes. And I remember at community college, one class I taught, you know, I was saying how, like, if you learned one thing from this course, forget about the academic paper, you know, the research paper. Nobody's going to ask you to do rhetorical analysis except on Facebook. And that's a dumpster fire anyways. <laughs> so don't worry about that. Um, we'll worry about that later in the semester. But, you know, if you're going to learn one thing, learn how to write a good cover letter and learn how mm -hmm. to write a meaning. When I say good, you have to obviously I hate using those words good and bad. Right. Yes. Um, you, you you know, it's it's effective or not so effective for whatever reasons, which takes time and thought, which is why nobody wants to learn it. Um, <laughs> but I, I say learn how to write an effective cover letter. And because it's the most important piece of writing you very well might ever have to do in order to mm -hmm. get a job. Right. It's very practical. And I remember I had one student who he um uh, you know, he, his parents made him go on the contingency, I believe, that like, hey, if you want to run the family business, you got to, you know, go to school and like get your yep. degree or whatever. And so he was checked out times two. <laughs> like he was not interested. He was not having it. And he said, he actually said to me when I met with him, because uh, I kind of like forced him into meeting with me, because I was like, dude, we got to talk. You're not doing well. <laughs> you know? And I was like, you know, well, let me see your cover letter. He's like, oh, I didn't do one. I don't need to. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, I'm never going to need a job. 
you know, my I'm taking over the family business. And I say, well, what if the business fails? He goes, oh, I'm not worried about it. So I said, let me ask you this. If you're running the family business, do you plan on hiring people? Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, yeah, I guess so. And I said, well, how are you going to know which details to judge is valuable from cover letters and resumes unless you've studied them? And he was like, oh, <laughs> yeah so it's like there's uh, there's value in 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 writing it, it's unavoidable if you really know to look for it is sort of my point um yeah. in terms of getting value out of writing and so i think that's you know to me that's sort of the the main goal or um you know pedagogy as 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 a teacher and obviously like we were talking about earlier you know a lot of those skills of like awareness and it's funny how you know writing fiction and working on characters you really do have to think about uh, you you have to be an expert essentially in going in um, walking in somebody else's shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what you said about the cover letter and the resume because I've also done the same thing for my developmental classes and the one on one courses I've taught. Same thing, like when by the time we've gotten the portfolio work done, basically essentially the same thing. We spend a day mm-hmm. working on those as well. And actually, I would say I have a hot take about creative writing courses. So, Oh, do pray tell. Last semester, I taught Introduction to Creative Writing. So it's a mixture of students who are taking the course as a supplement to a creative writing minor or to their English major. And then there are other students who are taking it because it meets a particular liberal, liberal arts requirement. And I guess it's popular for that reason. Mm. So, you know, you have some students who will write in their you know opening day letter or in emails they'll or even in class they'll say that they don't think that they are creative they don't view themselves that way and my thought is that you know what if that's how you feel can you at least get to a point where you can critique someone else's work in a thoughtful way and can you then receive critique in a way where you don't take it as a personal offense and instead use it as a way to improve your writing so I think if you can come out of creative writing course, especially the workshop component, being able to, one, be a useful contributor, and two, accepting the variety of comments you might receive on your work. Some might be useful, some might not be. You might agree with some, you might not agree with some, but being able to take that all and then revise accordingly and grow from that, I think is huge. And I think being able to do that in a job setting is tremendous or say in grad school, if that's the route that they go, no matter what field they're going into. So they can take that from my course. I think that's also a big success. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting how you point out essentially that you're doing that or you're acquiring that skill just in different ways, whether it's freshman academic writing or it's a creative writing course. And yeah, I mean, I noticed that, I mean, I've taught creative writing and that's a huge part of it and i think it's it's even more difficult in creative writing because in academic writing you know sort of the challenge with workshopping and critiquing other students works is the fact that and and i i try to make this clear to my students like you're not expected to be an expert when you comment on somebody's work like you don't have to find out you know looking through and saying like oh here's everything that's wrong with your paper that's insane like who are you to you know say that like all these things are wrong but at the same time you don't want to go the other way with it where you're like well I don't know anything so I have nothing to say it's like mm-hmm. no you you want to identify and and that's one of the things I tell them like you know you want to identify for what it's worth you know what maybe is confusing to you as a reader and why like that's immensely helpful as well as what is clear to you and what is effective to you as a reader and why um and and obviously in creative writing settings you know that 
arguably maybe can become more subjective. Uh, I just find it's more difficult in general. And I think it needs to take a little bit more time to get everybody on, on a similar page because, you know, I mean, I've, I, I've just, I feel like in my own creative writing class experiences, I've had students like take things more as a personal affront than in academic writing. And maybe that's because in academic classes that I've taken, students like they don't care necessarily or they're not as invested. Even if they do, they're like, oh, I put a lot of work into this. They're like, well, it doesn't, you know, again, it's not something that came from like my heart or soul. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's there's a little bit more opportunity sometimes in the creative writing class for people to be like, and and I've I've been in workshops where I'm like people give comment comments back on my work and I'm like you know like you're just saying things to say things like come on like I, I and then other times um you know people are saying and I'm thinking oh this is great more you know so I think it's valuable though to be able to discern between those kinds of feedback so you have that yes. skill set where you can say you know what this resonates with me or no thank you but I'm still going to smile and nod and be polite about it and not take it mm-hmm. as a personal affront to your creativity. Right. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, is that it's difficult to judge, you know, is somebody because most of the time it's it's not as if they're necessarily being facetious, even um, they're just, you know, they're not sort of uh, modulating their their, you know, commentary in terms of how other readers might 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 take it. So, yeah, there's certainly a fine balance there. But um, I think, again, that's like you say, it's, that's why it's interesting to to work on as a, just a communicative skill. Right. You know, mm-hmm. taking that into like you say, it, I think it's a mistake to, you know, go into a classroom and say, oh, I must convert I must convert everybody to the realm of, you know, appreciation of English and literature. It's like, uh, yeah, maybe some people like that's cool. But I think more so, uh, you know, just showing the inherent value in this type of clear communication. I think I even write at the beginning of my sil- syllabus um, that like, you know, effective writing is effective thought. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can pick all the fancy words you like, but if there's no, you know, soul behind them, nobody's going to care. Like, like we were saying earlier, sort of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's about everything I wanted to cover. Um, did you have anything else that you, any other thoughts? I mean, we kind of jumped around <laughs> like on a lot of different categories, but did you have anything else you wanted to uh, say or comment about any of those points? Well, I think going back to earlier and kind of tying it to this teaching element too, where we were talking about with the hiking and even with the running too, where you might not necessarily have this natural talent or even inclination toward it. You might even be forcing yourself, but if you have that willingness to kind of keep chipping away at it, you, you do find you make progress. Mm. Will you be an Olympic marathon runner? Maybe not. Will you summit Mount Everest? Perhaps not. But you will probably get further than you would have if you had not made that attempt to begin with. Mm. And I think that can, we can turn that toward the creative writing workshop where you could be a super talented writer where you can naturally write a compelling story or a tightly woven poem or what have you. But if you cannot take feedback, it's going to be a really tough journey for you versus maybe you don't have those same innate abilities, but you're willing to listen and take it all in and make active efforts to improve, you're probably going to get further than, again, than you would have if you didn't have that same capacity for listening and for being willing to grow and try and make yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, that's a great point that elicits an idea in my mind, which is another episode that we have to do, which is about 
publishing in general because yes. we didn't really get to go into that but that's gonna go on quite a bit oh, yeah because i'll just say very briefly about that i know people who are far better writers than i ever was um and for various reasons because they can't handle criticism or critique they shut down and they they sort of give up you know even people i know friends of mine who i they, they come to me to help them with their cover letters and they they sort of have a, a, a crisis of identity when they're they're turned down from a job and they're like oh my cover letter must be awful and I'm like no the cover letter was great like take my word for it mm-hmm. there's you know either that person doesn't know what they're talking about or there's just other you know outside factors like they got some oh, other yeah. applicants you know there's so many again that's a whole other episode where there's so many other factors at play that it can be difficult like you say to know well how do we know which uh, sort of commentary or critique is you know, quote unquote valid. Right. Um, yep. and, and that's another skill that I think is, is very difficult to develop, but it's very worthwhile to develop. Um, and, and again, it, it, it's difficult for a lot of people to handle. Um, but I think it's something that, you know, if you can sort of, uh, you know, bear through and, and work on yourself, uh, you, you know, you wind up succeeding ultimately it's like anything else you know that you were sort of saying in life it's if it's a good thing it's not necessarily going to come easy easily or quickly right um Mm -hmm. and certainly you know developing the 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 wherewithal to continue with writing it's like you you want to ultimately be critiqued like you know now whenever i write something the first thing i want to do is send it to people who i know i can trust in terms of you know they're going to offer uh thoughtful feedback you know commentary whatever you want to call it that is going to help me, you know, get there. And again, it's not to say everything that they say I'm going to agree with, but I know that there's going to be a lot there that makes me sort of helps me refine what I am working on. Right. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, (laughs) uh, this is fantastic. Um, I think, uh, you know, again, there's, uh, we covered about a dozen topics that I think could be full episodes. So we kept it spicy. You got to keep, keep it spicy when it comes to writing. Well, that's the point, right? Like there's so much more to say about writing. I feel like, um, Joe, you once gave me a valuable nugget of writing advice. Oh God. I know exactly what you're going to say. Never forgotten. (laughs) Joe labs once said to me, quote, just write the cool stuff. End quote. And I have to say, I think it's very valid. And it's honestly, following that advice has gotten me started on many a project that I'm then able to sort of push through with the less cool yet necessary parts that connect all the cool elements. Right. So thanks, Joe. Why build a boring bridge if you don't know where it's going? (laughs) Amen. Is is another way way to say that. I, I will end by saying the other piece of advice I give, which is even like a lower grade of quality than the advice I gave you. I mean, that was pretty outstanding. <laughs> it, it stayed with me. So I think there's something to be said about that. So the other one, I and I tell students this actually, is I say, yeah, just pick better words. What are you doing? Perfect. Just pick better words. And they're like, oh, so I, but I did. I picked all these fancy ones. And I said, I didn't say pick fancy words. I said, pick better ones. Mm. And then I get into, all right, well, you know, how you choose certain words in different situations over the others and phrasing. But I'm like, essentially, like, come on, p- just pick better thing. You're going to use thing. Yes. Or, uh, oh, goodness, a thing. Um, when I see a lot, hopefully that's two separate words. Yeah. Please, God. Or just good, like you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, Please, not those yeah. words. It, Give me something better. It. it yep. It. <laughs> all right, it's like, all right, it's enough. <laughs> 
I see what you did there. Yeah. All right. That means it's officially time to, to wrap up here. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Th- thanks so much for stopping by. This was great. Um, really thanks for appreciate having it. Me. This was fun. Yeah. So you can check out, uh, <laughs> I forgot to ask you this. You can check out Diana Gallagher on Amazon. <laughs> I am. There's also a, G- a Diana G Gallagher who has written, a number of books who I believe is also on Amazon. Imposter. I'm just Diana Gallagher without the G. You're Diana extra Gallagher, G. no G. No extra G. You're just the, the G OG. Gallagher. Maybe. Okay. So Diana Gallagher, she has awesome books on Amazon. I've actually read them, which is usually when somebody's on well, a podcast. I just have one. So. What? <laughs> I just have one. Oh, is so that far. the one I read? I hope so. I think it's the one I read. You might have read Diana G. Gallagher's books instead. Oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> I was going to say, most podcasts, they're like, oh, this great author. It's like, you haven't read anything by them. But I've actually read your, I've actually read books of yours, and they're really good. So I can attest well, to Well, thank them. you. So check her out on, on Amazon. Uh, I'll link it in the description even. So there you go. Cool. Um, and you can, uh, so you can uh, check out more of our episodes at professorlabs.podbean.com. Uh, subscribe for more updates uh, or you can uh, listen to us on YouTube if you just search for us on YouTube uh, and you can tweet at us too you can tweet at me directly at Joe T Labs which I'm terrified at the prospect of people actually tweeting at me um, <laughs> but yeah all sorts of ways to contact me so uh, thanks for listening if you are and until next time I will say hike well write well and as always this is what I say keep learning <laughs>